0: Uh, welcome to episode six of the UBCast, a Star Wars cartoon podcast. I'm a overweight glob of grease named Matt,
1: and I'm Jamie. You probably recognized my foul stench when the podcast started. How was your week? Oh, it was good. I just finished uh, Lost Stars. I went, uh, got, I got the uh, the audiobook and chewed through it pretty quick. Uh, uh, I, I uh, really enjoyed it. Certain parts was kind of cringeworthy. It is young adult, probably the most they've ever actually talked about sex in Star Wars. And some other parts are like, come on, I don't really believe that. But overall, I really enjoyed it because you saw a lot of key Star Wars battles and just scenes from like a different point of view, basically. Some random Imperial uh, officer and a uh, rebel uh Fighter pilot. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Kind of gave me a little bit of chills, you know. Every now and then, they'd like Lando. I would say something that he said from the like, from the movie at the Battle of Endor. I just kind of get like, "Ooh, I know what they're gonna do now."
0: Yeah, I like that book a lot too. You said a certain point of view. I I finished that book.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I started it and then I returned it because I I decided I hated it. Um, maybe. Maybe, you know, we discussed that it might be better in print than the audio portion of it, but I just couldn't stand the audio portion of it. I just really, really hated it. When, when you've got a long commute like I do, you want to be entertained. And th- that that was not entertaining to me at all.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think the book suffers from production a lot. There were a lot of stories that just went on too long or the format that they were presented in were just so grating that I couldn't keep up and I'm a masochist, right? So I forced myself to listen to the whole damn thing. And there's this thing at the very end. I'm not giving away anything, but the narrator of the audiobook says, now I can write the Journal of the Wills. And he starts reciting The Crawl for episode four, while someone is criticizing The Crawl for episode four, telling them that they're doing a bad job writing. And it's like a <laughs> Abbot Costello routine. It's horrible.
1: Oh, man. And the
0: guy storms off because he says he'd rather write a... He's going to write his own show about a Wookiee family on Life Day, referencing the holiday special. I mean, it's fine to make fun of it. I don't mind if people make fun of Star Wars. I really, really don't. It just didn't... About a third of the stories in the book I thought were good, and about a third I thought were meh, and then about a third were probably the worst Star Wars I've ever experienced in my life. And I cannot listen to 20 minutes of Command Line... From a mouse droid as it drives around the death star it's so horrible and boring and it just drowns out any story that you're trying to tell by having a command by having like your mouse droid do do the third diagnostic on itself in like a 20 minute story where it's checking all of its systems and it's optimal 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 suboptimal optimal 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 he's <laughs> like okay so his door doesn't work cool i'm glad i'm listening to this right now
1: yeah, I uh, pretty much lost it around the third or fourth Cantina-centric story and when they s- stopped making sense. Like Greedo did one thing in one story and another uh, something else on another. And then it was all the p- point of view of the Muftak and I can't th- I can't even think of the, the the um the little bat creature. Well, so the, so Muftak is his name, but they reference him as the Muftak. Yeah, he's a tall yeah, Movetak and Cabe. Okay. And just the, the way the voice did the, the talk, like wee, 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 wee. I after a while, it's like okay, I'm done. I'm just gonna okay, fast okay, forward. Okay. And then it was another story about the Tanaka. Tanaka, shoot, how do you see their name? Tanaka. Tanaka, yeah, the ones that um, that everybody wants action figures made of.
0: I'm just making I'm just making a custom action figure at this point. I got a a cheap Miss Marvel, and I'm just gonna repaint her and put a Tanaka sister head on her. Right on. But yeah, you're right. Everyone wants that action figure, but there's some kind of licensing problem with the likeness of the actress,
1: right? And I got as far as the stormtrooper one, and I don't know. It it seems like maybe it would be good, like as like a skit or something. Like Robot Chicken does things very similar and is really funny, but this just just falls flat. No, I'm
0: curious if they meant it to be funny. I mean, I don't want the show to be a postmortem on this book, but I'm. So I had a couple of questions about it when I was listening to it. I was curious, since there were 40 different authors doing 40 different stories, or 42 different stories, I was curious if they all knew what the other person was doing, or if the ones that linked up, if they had to write them together, or if there were potential continuity problems being introduced. Not that people should care that much about the continuity of three Cantina Alien stories, but somebody's gonna. And... And then the other thing I was curious about is, when you have 40 different writers, there are 40 different tones, and some of them were, like, way funnier, like, I mean, and I don't mean funny, I mean attempting to be funny, <laughs> than than the others, and some of them were really serious, and had a lot of heart in them. The one about the Jawa on the Sandcrawler, who looks at all of the memory chips from all of the protocol droids i thought that was a great story
1: yeah me too the uh the obi-wan and qui-gon chin i thought that was great
0: yeah and it's telling you something you didn't know about a character that you loved but then there were things like who gives a shit who ends up with the clue horn <laughs> those are that's the middle third to me It's like like sure you can tell me the story about the clue horn i may or may not care when it's all said and done but you can tell me a story but then there's like the palpatine rap a few quick baddies of his saber rid. And old Kenobi fell. Now air. Now dead. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why? What is this? What's happening? Why is he speaking in rhyme? Is this supposed to be rap? <laughs> you took a really interesting moment. That could have been that could have been something That added to our understanding of Palpatine and Vader's relationship or Palpatine, how Palpatine would have felt about learning that Obi-Wan was still alive and Vader just killed him. If you read the rap or the epic poem or whatever he's doing, he does reveal that he's worried that Yoda's still alive. If Obi-Wan's still alive, he's saying, like, maybe Yoda's still alive. And if Yoda's still alive, there's somebody who can oppose him. That would have been some deep character shit you could have gotten into with Palpatine and like his, his psyche at that moment when we don't see him for a whole nother movie. Actually, we don't see right. him for two movies at that point because he's only in a hologram form in empire, right?
1: Yeah. So instead you get a poetry slam.
0: Yeah. Instead you get like open mic night at the coffee shop starring Cheeve.
1: <laughs> he's got a big beard and plaid robes and he's drinking a, a PBR. Yeah. Bongo drums reading this <laughs> shitty beat poetry zen new jersey Nowhere's
0: <laughs> greatest minds of the jedi destroyed by madness
1: anyways moving on i also got i pre-ordered the, the the luke skywalker book that's coming out and i saw that the uh the canto blight one they finally finalized the cover for it so oh they did yeah
0: I gotta look
1: that I mean, up real quick. I'm, a uh, I'm definitely interested in uh, in reading those or listening to those. I should say. Trying to think anything else Star Wars related is going on with me. No, uh, other than putting off uh, pre-ordering Battlefront.
0: I'm still not there mentally. I don't think I can order
1: it. I need to spell Canto Bite. I think it's C-A-N-T-O then Blight. Oh, I was spelling Blight in a stupid way.
0: It's Canto Bite, not Blight. That's oh. that was my problem. Whoops sorry god damn it jamie <laughs> I'll, I'll show myself out that's pretty cool cover i have no idea i have not i am i'm in my spoiler free mode at this point i'm reading almost nothing that isn't so I, I don't know what what canto blight is i just know it's a casino planet
1: now no, i've got you saying it god damn it <laughs> it's just uh yeah there's there's this game i really enjoy called borderlands and one of the areas you go into is called the Iridium Blight. So I was just thinking that, oh, cool, something a Blight. And now it's stuck. So, sorry, everybody. You're worse than Hitler.
0: I am in flavor country. So the, the other thing that I did this week is uh, I caught up on Rebels. I'd already fallen behind. And so today I finished watching the Kyber Crystal one and I really liked it. But uh, I'm, I'm very pleased with Rebels Season 4 so
1: far. I'm I'm pleased, but I've kind of come to the realization I don't think we're going to get the answers we're looking for.
0: No, it's Star Wars. Did you? It says Star Wars on the front of every episode. <laughs> Did you think they're going to answer a question?
1: Okay, you're right. I don't know. Why. I don't know why I was expecting something to be at least wrapped up.
0: I still think Ezra could be DJ. I don't know. There's a toy. There's a toy spoiler that is not actually a spoiler, but uh, the action figure for DJ has two scratches on his face in the same place that Ezra does.
1: Oh fudge.
0: They either did it to fuck with people or it's the same character. That
1: would be awesome.
0: Do you want to hear about the other toy spoiler? Sure. That I heard? Luke Skywalker has a kyber crystal necklace in one of the figures. And it's red.
1: Okay, now here's the thing I don't understand. How can it be red? I I think the the whole logic for kyber crystals is just kind of fuzzy. Because before the Ahsoka novel, we just assumed whatever color crystal, that's the color of the lightsaber but apparently that's not true.
0: I think it is true, except for red. I think the crystals do have colors, although in some of the episodes of the cartoon, they all seem white. They all seem basically clear. But then we have seen giant green ones in a couple of things, and we've seen... We'll figure it out. Or not. I don't mind what they're doing with the lightsabers. I think an explanation is better than no explanation. And then the Vader comic, which we'll talk about someday soon, I hope. But the Vader Year One comic will be a a really great source of Sith religion, religious information. And we can talk about exactly what Vader does to his lightsaber. Sort of hope to understand it a little bit better. But anyway, the speculation is that 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 red lightsaber crystal is Vader's or part of Kylo Ren's or Kylo has part of Vader's and Luke has the other half.
1: Well, that would make sense.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that's what's the case.
1: I'm guessing technically you can retcon it saying that it, it would have been red be- from the bleeding, whatever. But Ahsoka, you know, yeah. being on the light side, it probably got rid of the red when she uh, took the Inquisitor's kyber uh, cry- cry- crystals for her lightsabers.
2: Well,
0: I'm pretty sure they specifically say that she healed them. Yeah. And so they would have stopped bleeding. I don't know. It's, it's difficult to understand how literal to take that metaphor. Right. Or if it's a metaphor
1: at all. It's one of those things that I'm just willing to let go of. Yep, me too. <laughs> if if it wasn't something that I really, really loved, I'd probably be super pissed. Yeah. But I'm willing to let a lot of things go, and this is definitely one of them. But, yeah, I've been happy, not super thrilled, but happy enough with with Rebels so far.
0: Hopefully it keeps, keeps getting better and, and does give us a little closure. Mm-hmm. I just don't like—I don't like the sense that that they're going to give everybody, like, a walk-on and then a farewell. Like, the last episode might have been, like, the last time you saw Saw Guerrera in Rebels, because he sort of had, like, a, I'll fight my war, you fight yours, I'll see you later, Mm -hmm. sort of moment. And I was like, well, please don't—please don't just, like, have ten episodes where people, like, say their goodbyes to these characters.
1: Right. And it seemed— that episode arc—I'm not getting too much into it because we're supposedly going to be getting to rebels—is that it just he's a bit of a jerk and and you know he screws over Sabine and Ezra and then at the end they're just like oh saw you rascal instead of being super pissed <laughs> that, that he kind of betrayed them
0: yeah instead of pushing him out of an airlock yeah if we get the rebels. You'll be super sick of me by that point. You'll be like, stop
1: talking about the Ewok cartoon. Let's just wait till we get to Clone Wars and we can talk about Colonel Gaston. No one's slick as Gaston. No one's quick as Gaston. No one's next as incredibly thick as Gaston. The one who, uh, that's the the droid-centric episodes. Oh, the little, the little toad? Yeah. Yeah, I or got he- a lot to say about that guy. I didn't recognize
0: the name, but I actually just watched that arc the other day because uh, i really really enjoy that arc and i hope you're not going to shit on that little toad no I, not too much i watched it because i want to make that action figure and he's small enough to where i think i can just sculpt them out of clay or out of that epoxy clay i use to make action figures i think i can just sculpt them sculpt them and make them like the size of um Nippet, the baby ewok although ah. he's smaller than that because he fits inside an astromex dome I have to think about this a little bit more. The choices we make, the actions we take, moments, both big and small, shape us into forces of destiny.
1: We talked uh, earlier today about um, we wanted to discuss forces of destiny, specifically one that came out today. Now, they've been coming out for a while now, and we haven't really talked that much about it.
0: We're going to have to talk about it at a later date, because I went online today to watch some, and I had no idea I was as far behind
1: as I was. Um, I've seen very few. Yeah, me too. I have I just haven't had the—who am I kidding? I've had the time. I just haven't had the desire. But uh, this one caught my eye, and so I, I watched it while my lunch was heating up, and because uh, I, I couldn't believe it. So are we actually going to talk about it?
0: Uh, I, I'm going to preface this whole thing with saying I haven't seen it yet, but I want to talk about it because um, you know my my policy about cartoon spoilers. There's no such thing. And I, I wanted to keep my reaction fresh, so I didn't watch it because I was hoping you are going to tell me something fucking crazy.
1: All right. So it's basically about Hera meeting Han. And when I read that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then all of a sudden... The hamster that spins the wheel in my brain all of a sudden started spinning a little bit more and put two and two together. It's like, wait a second. Han didn't join till after the death set. That means Hera lived. And so, yeah, Hera and uh, Han meet. Maybe not the first time, but it's implied. that they're on uh, Endor after the Battle of Endor. Wait, what? Yeah, Hera makes it all the way through the Battle of Endor. And the Millennium Falcon and the Ghost are parked on Endor. Apparently there's a bit of a rivalry between Hera and and Han with their two ships. Leia tasks Han with getting some food for the Ewoks because all the Ewoks are going to try to eat the (laughs) stormtroopers. She doesn't, you know, she'll shoot them in cold blood, but she won't let them be eaten by Ewoks who've er earned that right. So she sends Han on a mission to get some of those um, bars that Luke Luke eats on uh, Dagobah. Trump yeah. Hera
2: how you That's so made you food of this guy.
1: but Hera won't give it to Han unless he says what she wants to hear and he won't say it and what but he eventually relents and what she wants to hear is that the ghost is better than the Millennium Falcon and chopper is in it as well and Hera eventually gives Han uh, those um those bars t- to give the ewoks and then Leia lets Han know that nobody actually thinks that the ghost is better than the Millennium Falcon, and then that's the end of the episode. But it's really kind of kind of a throwaway episode, but other than the big reveal that Hera survives all of it. Hera and Chopper survive all of it, as far as we know. Which is awesome, because she could now be in any uh, any cartoons that are post-Jedi, or any media that's post-Jedi.
0: Yeah, I mean that that raises a lot of a lot of questions for me. The first thing is I was confused when you started out because Hera knows Lando from Rebels, right? They had the Puffer Pig episode. Oh yeah. And so I thought you were I thought you were saying that that it was before that. Um but no, this is this is a pretty big reveal. So while you we were talking, I looked up the the official timeline of canon Star Wars media and it's on there. It's called an Imperial Feast. And it said it was released on YouTube on October 30th, which, by the way, everybody is today. Happy Halloween. Um, and so, yeah, these Forces of Destiny episodes are canon. Because you texted that to me earlier today. You said, are they canon? That really blows yeah. my mind. She lives through the entire original trilogy.
1: She's she's just never seen just... Um i just i like how they they retcon a lot of things that you know now that we're in i don't want to say more pc but a more um inclusive culture there's a lot more alien species that are part of the rebel alliance
0: i love aliens they can they can pack the rebel alliance with as many aliens as they want i love the aliens they're sort of falling down on the action figure side with these new action figure releases they haven't released very many alien humanoid aliens but yeah i, I love it They'll just keep them coming
1: yeah i agree so it's a yeah, it was a big, big reveal for any Star Wars psychopaths such as ourselves. It's Pretty big. It's I'm super excited because that means that that opens up a lot of possibilities for her character. But then that also leaves us with, well, where's everybody else? Where's them? Not necessarily.
0: Why wouldn't they be together? I mean, they're they're doing this like slow burn love story, right? Where they're if not in love with each other, they are right at the edge of that right and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you don't think if she survives two death star battles and the battle of scarif that they wouldn't be together after that i mean i was just thinking i was just running through my mind we didn't even know that she survived scarif correct because i've scanned that battle and i've looked for the ghost later in the battle and i don't see it i've looked if it's one of mm-hmm. the ships that makes it into hyperspace or not. And I didn't see it. And so I thought, well, that would be a clean ending. She's a casualty of Scarif. They lost a lot of people at Scarif. Mm-hmm. But apparently that's not true. And then she she wasn't in the attack run on the Death Star, because it's been established that that was 30 ships, and they were all X-Wings and Y-Wings. The ghost wasn't there. So she wasn't at Yavin for that battle, or her ship was too damaged um, to participate in that battle, I'm now looking forward to them filling in some gaps with Hera.
1: They've come a long way since you know the first Twilight. You see it, you know, being Bib Fortuna. You know, they're all not like ugly, and they're all not slaves. That you know, they're, they're Jedi and they're warriors. I think
0: Bib so, Fortuna was a meth head. It was not. He's not a good representation of their species. He's like he's strung out on something, whatever Jabba's smoking in his hookah—spice,
1: death sticks, and some combination thereof. He's got permanent contact high. Well, his eyes are bloodshot.
0: Yeah, I really think, I really think everybody in Java's palace is high from whatever Jabba's smoking. Because it's the only way their behavior makes sense. They're all like
1: laughing all the time. and That's why Luke is so easily able to uh, use the Jedi mind tricks. Because he's just like, Ugh, yeah, okay. All right, <laughs> sure, that sounds great. <laughs> sure, I'll take you to see Java. I'm so high right now.
0: The last thing I want—the well, last thing I want to talk about, if it's okay, just really quickly—is I sent you a Japanese poster for the Last Jedi. Yeah. Okay. Right. Did you see that?
1: Yeah. It looks. It looks awesome. Um, Luke's holding a lightsaber.
0: There it is. The big reveal.
1: And we knew that there was going to be a, a major, probably uh, some sort of uh, combat with Mark Hamill. I think you were the one that told me that he had uh, difficulty uh, completing the uh, the shooting. For the action sequence that he was fighting or uh, portraying, playing whatever you want to call it. Yeah,
0: there's a there's an interview with him now where he says something along the lines of um, they had me doing the lightsaber bit a lot. The big reveal on the poster is that Luke is actually holding a lightsaber, and I had strong suggestions and mild evidence that that was going to happen, but they've done they've gone a pretty long distance to prevent anyone from seeing it. Um, It's not in any of the trailers, it's not in any of the promotional material, there's not even a hint of his costume in either action figure that's been released um, in any scale, the 6 inch, 12 inch, or 3 and a quarter inch, um, either the super articulated or the 5 POA lines. There's been like 6 figures released and none of them have a lightsaber or a lightsaber accessory, so they're definitely not advertising it, but now this poster comes out and he's holding it.
1: Can always count on the uh, international uh, trailers and movie posters to give stuff away. Thank you, Japan.
0: Yeah, the international trailer is not very different, but there's a maybe a few seconds extra footage. It's it's really not worth watching. It's it's basically a re-edited version of the trailer that we got um, with subtitles.
1: Yeah, there's a uh, there's a shorter trailer that's out. Uh, I saw it while watching the World Series the other the other day, and it's just. A shorter version of the trailer that um, was released a few weeks ago. So no, new, no new material, unfortunately. Which it's it's fine. I'm getting it to the getting to the point now, where like I should probably just go offline or just stop anything Star Wars altogether. But anytime I go on YouTube, it just populates all these boiler or fan theory uh, channels, and I just and it's really hard not to read them when I'm just trying to look up uh, zip popping uh, videos gross <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's 44 days into the last jedi release at this point and um hopefully we'll have some episodes up by then yeah we definitely will but probably uh, not this one
1: hopefully we have a fan base of at least a couple people i just want
0: one angry nerd yelling homophobic things at me online for having made the podcast that's when I, that's when i know we've arrived
1: uh, when, when we get our own trolls yeah Sweet. Excellent.
0: Let's go into the actual purpose of the podcast, which is to watch cartoons from the 80s and make fun of them.
1: The episode in question for today is Droids Episode 5, The Lost Prince. This is set in a new planet, a new set of heroes. Thal and Jord and Kia are off to work at um, whatever that racing guy's name is. So C-3PO and R2-D2 are on a new planet called Tynes Horky, which is some sort of... um, It's kind of... It's got almost a, uh, I want to say, kind of a Firefly vibe. The sci-fi Old West.
0: Yeah, good call. Um, My notes um, say somewhere down there that it's like an Old West planet and there's like prospectors and shit and the, oh, yeah. the 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 uh, firefly comparison is really apt here.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll get to the uh, the prospector in a little bit. Streepio and R two D two end up working at uh, a diner called Dex's. Oh, I'm sorry, I mean Dude Nick Cafe. But essentially, this guy is the first incarnation of Dex from Episode
0: Two. Uh, you keep saying Dex. Do you mean Dexter Jetster? <laughs> the best part
1: of the. <laughs> <laughs> no, the best part, Matt, was the waitress droid.
2: You wanna come of joe with you?
1: Jedi by the luck of him. He has four arms,
0: right? He runs a cafe. This is very obviously the inspiration for Dexter Jetster, or the original incarnation, like you said. Like, this is an idea that he's had for a long time that, uh. He couldn't let go. Is it the. Is it Attack of the Clones where there's a pancake droid making pancakes on the shuttle that's
1: taking. Padme and Anakin into hiding? Did I make that up? I don't know. It's possible. I've only ever actually seen it maybe a handful of times because it's pretty hard to get through.
0: Oh, I thought you were a fan. Never mind. I'll, I'll look it up because uh, that's... Keep, keep going to recap. I'm going to look up the pancake
1: droid. Uh, okay. <laughs> there are server droids doing uh, some uh, similar stuff they did uh, Well, at least the R2 did on Java's sail barge. And here you meet um, some sort of gangster, and I guess he ends up being a bounty hunter. His name is Kleb Zelock, though the way I heard it was Clamp It for some reason, but that's just <laughs> the audio. And I thought, that oh, weird, they're doing some sort of weird Beverly Hillbillies thing. But I guess I just can't hear very well, or the audio is shit. But this is a bizarre-looking alien. This is very heavy metal-esque. And he's talking to some uh, prospector Pete, some guy, you know, straight out of the uh, 1800s. You know, he's gonna uh, toss his hat on the floor and do a jig when he finds uh, when he finds gold. And um, <clears throat> this bounty hunter, Klubzalak, Z- Z- has some sort of weird sonic weapon that he only ever uses once. And the prospector goes away and he does
0: use it again later but were you in the impression that that was a weapon or that that was something he could do with his
1: voice i thought it was a weapon
0: Uh, i I couldn't tell but uh it's a very strange weapon or power that he has weapon
1: power potato padildo whatever and uh, a hooded figure comes to him and says that you know ask him to find somebody before ig88 finds him and so he takes the job and the droids pretty much are terrible at uh working at the diner. So they end up back on at, at an auction. They they get sold, but end up getting traded by a guy who looks like John Rambo, uh, for a mining droid, uh, this, uh, John Rambo just bought John Rambo is actually named John Tosh, but he looks a lot like John Rambo from first blood. So I'm going to refer to him as John Rambo.
0: The sidekick for Kelb Zelock, which is named Yorpo Mog. So he's a Mog. Get it. I'm a Mog. Half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. Hmm. He's the one that buys the droids and stupidly sells them back to, or trades them for the the mining droid. Yeah,
1: and it should be noted that there is a third droid, a android in the mix. This is the first time they've ever mentioned an android. That it's pretty weak and and terrible. Now I actually remember this from my childhood. I remember I don't know what it is, but I. As soon as I saw it, I remembered it, that uh, android. But anyways, moving on, John Rambo gets back to his home where he is a miner with his Uncle Gundy. Uncle Gundy gets all ticked off that they didn't get the new mining droid. And then it turns out that the android isn't an android, but a creature. And can we talk about Uncle Gundy for a sec? Yep. I don't know what they were going for. He's like some purple cowboy who just kicks things and gets his foot stepped on constantly i guess he's just there for comic relief but he is sort of like a
0: more energetic clumsier wilfred brimley who likes to jump up and down on his hat
1: right and the outfit they have him in reminds me of back to the future three where marty mcfly is wearing what he thinks cowboys were wear would wear (laughs) good call (laughs) It's just a hot mess. Well, the creature ends up helping around the mine. And at one point, there's a cave-in. And the creature that they've named Kez helps save Uncle Gundy. And so they get uh, Uncle Gundy to the hospital. But when they're out, Kleb Zellok captures... Kez, because Kez is the person he's been looking for. John Rambo and the droids try to assist, but they end up getting captured as well. Now, the interesting part on this is they, they introduced a character that seemed like, oh, this is going to be the new Kia, but she's never seen again. Jessica Mead? Yes. Yeah, she's got a, kind of a Grace Jones kind of look to her.
0: She looks exactly like Grace Jones. I mean, it's a it's a wonderful character design.
1: And she's just gone. So I don't know why they bothered introducing her. Or anything
0: uh, do you really not know why or no, I don't know why. So she's really important moving forward. It's, oh, okay. It's this really exciting... Ex- there's experimentation with continuity, right? We're in the second arc of this episode, and they do introduce her in sort of a nonchalant... There's a bar fight that breaks out, right? Mm-hmm. And everything's going to shit, and she stuns one of the guys so they can get away, right? And Paul's down, and it's like this badass woman standing there, like Brigitte Nielsen or something, and everybody gets away because of her. But yeah, they completely... They Don't follow up with her at all in this episode, but she's in later episodes.
1: Yeah, I thought that that was possible. It's like I said, it's been a long time. I'm really surprised I remember that android. But, um, so they everybody ends up at uh mine, and he tells them that he's um he's mining Nergon 14, which is used by the uh Imperials for uh, proton torpedoes. Long story short, the road figure comes in and he finds. Kez, and it turns out that Kez is a prince. Shocker. And something's happened to him because Kez doesn't really talk. He just kind of acts like an idiot. But somehow Solag has a scepter and as soon as Kez holds the scepter he gets his memories back. And so they escape... And, sorry, this is where it falls apart for me.
0: Yeah, so their escape attempt is comically bad. Like, it's the it's the culmination of every slapstick joke you can possibly imagine. People failing up in cartoons. It's ridiculous. I want to back up real quick, though. Okay. So it's revealed when he gets his memory back that he's the leader of a planet. He's, like, basically been a, a deposed prince. And his memory was intentionally erased by someone who took his place and is now ruling the planet, right? And that's, that's yeah. the word. that's the meaning of the title of the episode, right? The Lost Prince. He's the Lost right. Prince. Luckily for the plot, he's apparently the good guy, and not, like, the purple Hitler.
1: Right, and he's strong, and his scepter can pretty much do anything.
0: Yeah, that really annoyed me.
1: In the end, uh, Yorpo Mog, um, Club Zealox, henchman, gets screwed over by Solig, and ends up helping the good guys. And everybody escapes, and they... They have a uh, scene at the end where Kez decides, you know, he's got to go back. He's all in his princely robes now and he's going to go back to, you know, retake his throne. And then some hilarity ensues with Uncle Gundy. He either kicks R2 or gets his foot rolled over again and everybody laughs and freeze frame. Yes. I have to say I was actually not horrified by this one other than the escape sequence which just seemed to be more of the same and just kind of overall kind of crappy um, that just it didn't not much of it stuck out I did not did not mind this episode at all in fact I'm actually semi looking forward to the next one if you can believe it
0: yeah so the next one we follow Kesiban back to his home planet and so um, there's a lot that gets to happen in this arc I'm not going to promise that they're all great so I've got a couple of things I'd like to bring up from, like, just a design and production point of view. First, I want to say that I was a little excited once I realized that this was going to be, like, a Western, or at least reference that genre. I realized that the previous arc was all about car racing. Like, every single episode had something to do with about about a race or a chase, and we don't really do that here. Not to the extent there's still a small chase, but that's not the theme, right? And so I thought, like, oh, I didn't give these people enough credit. They're actually playing with themes and design, right? Mm Mm-hmm. First thing is uh, they mention IG eighty eight, and I'm a huge Empire nerd, and I loved IG eighty eight as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. and- my favorite favorite droid by long shot. Um, they are using a unit of money in this episode that I think is completely contained within this arc.
1: The Kesha? Don't stop,
0: pop. Oh, Kesha. I'm sorry. It's a Keshel. <laughs> yeah, it's Kesha. <laughs> Um, the Keshel, which is just, it's an anagram of Shekel.
1: Oh, jeez. How lazy.
0: Come on, just call it Shekels if you're gonna do that. I guess you can't do that.
1: All right, you gotta save the overt racism for Watto. <laughs> maybe maybe he was looking
0: for Keschels, because he wouldn't take Republic credits. Only money. So the first thing I, I thought when they started taking off the android disguise off of Kizibon, I thought, it's a good thing he doesn't need that mask to breathe. There's pl- <sighs> there's plenty of aliens in the Star Wars universe that can't breathe a standard atmosphere, and they have to wear masks. Flo
1: for one. I was just going to say that. Oh, what's this thing in your face?
0: I love little references to things. And so you caught what Kizibon means, right? No. Kesiban is explained by C-3PO as being a bocce word for the one oh, who returns to life. Right, And so it's a Masonic word for the bocce people, and it's being applied to this Tamazon alien. And so they basically call him, they start calling him Jesus, or Jesus, because <laughs> they're, they're interpreting it from another language. But bocce, obviously, Uncle Owen says, do you speak bocce?
1: And he says, oh, yes, or whatever he says. Shutting up, sir. Jan slash John Rambo, his his vehicle.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you're bringing this up.
1: Go for it. It looks exactly like the vehicle that Grievous drove uh, in uh, Episode 3. It's just a big wheel with a seat inside of it.
0: It's called a wheel bike when he does it, and they call it a roller in the Episode but you're right. It's 100% Grievous's wheel bike that uh, he rides when he's fighting Obi Wan. When Obi Wan's riding the pterodactyl, the uh, the lizard who screams, mm-hmm. and they're fighting each other. It's it's a direct. The wheel bike is a direct rip off of this um, vehicle design, which is a horrible ve- vehicle design.
1: Right, and uh, Gundarian, Gundark.
0: Yeah, uh, oh, Gundarks
1: are first introduced episode. 5. Han says that uh, Luke's uh, Luke looks strong enough to pull the ears off a of Gundark. Yeah, and then that's the name of Uncle Gundy, right? Yeah. I just can't believe I missed the Mog thing. That's it's pretty huge. That's nuts. All I could think about was, oh, that's the name. That's Worf's dad's name, but I didn't even think about the space balls.
0: Yeah, it's. And it is it is a man dog, right? In this episode, too. Um, I've got a couple more notes, if you don't mind. The Max Rebo Band makes an appearance at the diner, but only three members Max Rebo, Droopy McCool, and Cy Snoodles.
1: The music that they were playing was very... Sexual? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, I didn't know how long this recap would go, or how how long the episode would be, so I wrote down all the instruments that they played.
1: Oh boy. Okay.
0: <laughs> Droopy McCool plays the chindinkaloo flute, and Max Rebo, which is the blue guy, he plays the red ball jet organ, and he's actually playing with his feet, not his hands. And that was, that was actually a, a design choice in Return of the Jedi when they had the puppet mm-hmm. and then they made the puppet wrong and so in the script of Return of the Jedi it says that Max Rebo is playing with his feet although he's not called Max Rebo I don't think he's called Max Rebo in the original script I can look that up but um, but then when the puppet when the puppet showed up that wasn't what it was supposed to, that wasn't what it looked like it was doing and George Lucas was annoyed but he didn't want to pay for a new puppet <laughs> and so the trivia of him is that he looks like he's playing with his hands But those Mm -hmm. were
1: actually his feet. I'm surprised Lucas didn't uh, try to fix that when he made the huge, awful musical number in Jabba's Palace.
0: Yeah, so I looked up the Max Rebo band, and it is now a 12-member band, like those horrible jam bands.
1: Um, (laughs) They're the fish of the Star Wars universe?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they're the fish of the uh, Star Wars universe. Polyphonic Spree, they have 20 members. They have a piccolo player. Yeah, so that's Max Rebo Band after the edit. Zach Braff will be a fan of the Max Rebo Band at this point. Mm-hmm. But before the edit, this is the core band. It's Droopy McCool, the best-named character, Max Rebo, <laughs> and Noodles. Cy Snoodles get a, gets a huge role in The Clone Wars. Um, yeah, she has that whole arc with Zero. She murders him. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get to her. We're going to get back to her. And I can't wait because I love that they made her like a spy. That's really, really exciting to me. That's the kind of thing that gets me excited these days.
1: (laughs) You are of that age.
0: So the escape attempt, when they're actually escaping, it makes no sense because they're just like tripping over each other and somehow it all works out. But their actual escape attempt is pretty exciting C-3PO detaches his leg because they're all in these leg shackles. He detaches his leg and then he climbs up to basically the power source for the prison and tries to deactivate the power. It's pretty frustrating to watch that and know that he's not going to be allowed to be the hero because he has a good idea, he has a plan, he's executing the plan, and then it goes slapstick awry for no plot reason at all. I mean, I guess putting the other purple guy in the room... Gets the scepter and then they just Deus ex mock another way out of the episode by waving it around. Mm-hmm. But they could have let C three PO have that moment in this episode where he actually is the hero and and executes a competent plan and gets them out instead of just being the fop. Yeah, I I I think that would go against the character. But he was doing it already. <laughs> <laughs> And he and C-3PO were working together. They had like a long probe coming out of C-3PO and he was helping him do something. It, it, maybe I'm just too big of a fan of these guys. I just want to see them win. Mm-hmm. The only other note I have for this is that there's a lot of alien language in this episode. The Mog is speaking a different language. The uh, purple guys are speaking their own language half the time. Although they seem to know basic or whatever. John Rambo speaking, um, which I assume is basic. Mm-hmm. There's a... Uh, uh, a really nice use of language in this episode. I, I, I like that Star Wars doesn't shy away from having people speak gibberish and pretending like it's a language.
1: I agree. I just wish that uh, they would be a little bit more consistent because it just, and I guess Star Trek is like this too, ways where they just kind of bounce back and forth between, you know, I guess when, when it helps the the viewer.
0: It gives C-3PO something to do in the episode, because Rambo turns back to him a couple times and says, did you understand that? Or what are they saying? And he gets to translate. Mm-hmm. So he translates when they're trying to buy the android, or when they name Kezibon. He translates it it's a Tabachi word that means Messiah, and and he's translating for the uh, purple guys at the end. And so it does sort of give him his purpose back, and he was complaining at the beginning of the show that basically he has doesn't get to operate for his purpose which is as a translator droid. So, I don't think it's in t- that intentional, mind you, but I think it's it's it speaks to his character a little bit. They're giving his character something to
1: do. He brought up something that I remembered I wanted to talk about is when they when they name him. Yeah. They say, "Well, what will we call him?" It's like he's a dog they picked up. You know, he this person's uh <laughs> this this thing is a person and they're just going to treat it like a dog like oh we'll give you a new name toby well
0: the the issue is and you skipped this in the recap i think when they get him he seems like he's injured at first like he's like not entirely conscious or something but then he never really speaks Right, he's a mute when they mm-hmm. have him. And so he's like strong and he's helping out, and it's obvious that he has got real affection for them and they he appreciates them feeding him and giving him something to do, and they're all helping each other out, and it's not the relationship doesn't feel exploitive to me at the time, even though yeah, he bought him at an auction, right? And mm-hmm. it still doesn't feel exploitive in that sense. But then they have to call him something, and he, as far as they know, can't speak.
1: Yeah, okay. I suppose I see your point.
0: And it sounds like they give him a shitty name. They give him the name of some Messiah on whatever planet Bocce's spoken on. And I'm done looking stuff up, so I'm not going to look that up. Right. Good news is, I did look up the Pancake Droid, and it is in Attack of the Clones. It is in minute 36 of Attack of the Clones, our two fights with the Pancake Droid. There it is. I'll get right on that. Yeah, I'm dropping the mic on my side.
1: Okay, well, then, with that, I mean, what else can be said? I guess. um... Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could talk about the next episode briefly. What our listeners have to look forward to.
0: Yeah. Well, the next episode is the follow-up to this. We're going to stick with these purple guys and it's called the new King. And it is the sixth episode of droids. Um, and just like the previous arc, we're going to have these characters with us for a couple more episodes. We're going to go back to their home planet. And I actually sort of enjoy this arc. So, cause
1: I read ahead i'm i'm more of a experience it and trying to hone my horrible improv skills
0: oh well, yeah i intentionally didn't watch the uh the forces of destiny episode so i could have a little bit of shock and awe there uh there's different strategies i just hope that people are enjoying the show so far and that you'll come back next week and stay with us in kezzy bond yep Kizibon.
2: Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to YubCast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at YubCast or drop us an email at noochvaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We will see you again next week with a new episode. YubCast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. YubCast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. da da da